We are very excited about today's show, but before we begin, we got Jesse Ledoux with our product feature of the week. So Jesse, tell us what you got for us. Hey, Stephen. So pageant hair is elusive for a lot of people, whether they don't know how to style their hair to hold, they don't know what type of hair they have or what's needed for their system. But across the board, I find that it's a big stressor for people, If even if they pay for professional hair services at their pageant. It's the other 364 days of the year where their hair can fall flat or just not look pageant queen appropriate. Uh, you know, I, my heart really goes out to women because, I mean, when you're younger and a lot of people enter into pageantry, um, they're, they're younger, right? And this is their mm-hmm. first really experience with that beauty industry. And so guys, we just have to worry about our hair. And if we don't like it, it's socially acceptable just to shave it off. Right. Um, and so I just know with myself, I mean, facial hair, like even learning how to like shave my mustache for the very first time, it took me years before I was like, Oh, you have to shave this thing. Like I had those really small, like really (laughs) tiny hairs on the top. It looks, Oh my gosh, I'll have to share one of my photos one time. But, um, it just looks like a hot mess and my hair is all over the place and wiry and stuff. So that's just guys, guys just have to worry about their hair and like learning how to shave. But girls, it's like multifaceted. You got makeup and then eye makeup and lipstick and blush and foundation and then the throw hair on top of that. So like my heart really bleeds for women because the learning <laughs> curve is very steep. Some women never learn, right? They're 50 and they still don't necessarily know how to do this sort of thing. So Wow, I, I totally digressed there. Well, not digressed. I stayed on point, but I want to hear like what you have to help women like in their their pageant hair. Yes, and you nailed it, Stephen. Like someone can live their whole life without understanding how to do their hair. And I just think I had the worst hair in the world until I learned how to do it, and now it's like one of my favorite features of myself. So I'm hoping that today's resource will help other people get there faster on their journey. So what we've done, Stephen, is we have launched the ultimate guide to pageant hair on our website, which is a free, huge resource that anyone can access. Oh my gosh. I mean, lifesaver. Okay. So tell us, give us some snippets. Cause I mean, our courses, they, they have those like table of contents there available. Like give us some of the features of maybe what's inside the table of contents or what they can expect if they see this course. Well, as a reference, the any of the courses that we have are done so in a way that's digestible. I mean, they're like 30-something pages long, but like you said, there's a table of contents where you can click the exact subtopic you want to access, and it takes you right there. So you don't have to read the whole thing unless you really just want to be schooled on hair. Um, but some of the subtitles that we're working with right now is, how do I style short pageant hair? That's a common question we get. Mm-hmm. What pageant hairstyles are best for Ms. and Mrs. contestants? What are the best pageant hairstyles for natural hair? Um, what pageant styles are best for damaged or dry hair? And it goes on and on. Or how can I create pageant hair with a curling iron? I mean, it just, it allows you to one, identify hair type, division and what tools are best for your hair, which is really exciting because there's, there's samples of pageant hair products and tools. And there's also videos that can help guide you step by step. Yeah. And I love the fact that it is a free resource and there's like dozens and dozens of pages of, and like we include videos and we include like, Hey, here's pretty much the end product of what this hairstyle looks like uh, for like real pageant girls too, not just sketched out mannequins. Like, Hey, this is pretty much how to create this look. So Mm -hmm. really valuable. 
uh, we already covered that it's free. Um, how can they find it on our on our website? Yeah, super easy to find. You visit our website and you click articles. And it's so usually our pageant daily, which is our pageant newsletter is always the top article. But right below that, you're going to see the ultimate guide to pageant hair. And I'll also include the link in the show notes. But thank you, Jesse, for revealing that to us. Welcome to Pageant Planet's podcast, where we share stories and strategies to help expand and connect the global pageant community. Visit pageantplanet.com to find pageants, hire coaches, shop for dresses, and more. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Welcome, everyone, to another episode. Today, Jesse Ledoux and myself, we are going to be discussing just eight strategies that you can use while competing to become famous. So Jesse, go ahead and set the stage for us. Steven, I'm going to say some names and I want, um, they're notable names, but I want you to let me know if you've heard of all of these. Okay. So Kristen Chenoweth. Yes. Olivia Culpo. Definitely. Kathy Lee Gifford. Yes, I have. Vanessa Lachey. Who could forget Vanessa? <laughs> Diane Sawyer. <laughs> yep. And come on, this would be like you're living under a rock. Oprah Winfrey. I mean, she is the queen bee. Yes. And so those are the names of some of the most iconic names in their respective industries. And that includes entertainment, performance, journalism, humanitarianism. And what they all have in common is they all got their start in the pageant industry and they've used basic skills they gained while competing and leveraging their talents and additional resources to get where they are. Yeah. And I mean, that's just a snippet like Beyonce, Rihanna, like a lot of entertainers did get their start in pageantry. Like, you know, whether even I even heard I was at a pageant and it was a glitz pageant and Justin Timberlake had like not performed, competed in a glitz pageant, you know, because like when you're a performer, you look for different areas to perform and pageant gives you that platform. It does. And so like this call today will help you like whether you're fighting internally with the why you're competing or you're facing negative outside influences, these are some reasons and ways pageantry can help you succeed beyond the crown. And when we say famous, it's one of those things that, okay, maybe it is like textbook famous where you want to be on stage like Katy Perry, who was a pageant girl also traveling the country or the world touring. Or maybe you just want to be known as an expert in your field and want to have clients. So it's famous is relative. Do you agree with that, Stephen? hundred percent. I mean, if you're in a business or if you're a consultant or even if you're looking to get hired for a job, if you are, quote, famous, famous being well known for a particular skill set, if you're famous for that skill set, your pay is going to be higher, your benefits is going to be more, and you just have more negotiation as, or more leverage when you're negotiating salaries, benefits, et cetera. Absolutely. So what we've done is we've identified eight specific steps you can take um, to solidify your spot as you grow up the ladder. Um, and the other thing it will do is we've given you some tips. And we pulled our Instagram audience, not necessarily the way we usually do. We just kind of asked them what the greatest opportunity they've, that pageants have given them. And you'll hear those sprinkled throughout today as well for some feel-good moments. Yeah, and you know the thing is, um, with this particular episode, is that we're going to give you the tools that you're going to be able to feel really confident about like what it is that you're doing and kind of be able to rebuttal anybody that speaks negatively about it or will somewhat critique you, which we know that in society, for whatever the reason, people have a tendency to do that for 
when people do something different. Like I know Jesse, you got your critiques, and when I started Pageant Planet, my own mom laughed at me. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> you know, it was just kind of it, it is a, it is a thing, right? So um, I, I'm totally excited about this episode. So why don't you go ahead because we got eight strategies to cover. Go ahead and give us the first um, like strategies that girls can use when competing to become famous. Yeah. So the first strategy seems very simple. It's meet new people, and it helps because. A lot of times pageant contestants get started when they're from a smaller community. It's like county fair pageants or very hyper local pageants. So if you are indeed from a small community or if you're a younger contestant and you may not have other opportunities like work and travel to meet people outside of your inner circle, school or community, pageants are an instant means to broaden your horizons and make new relationships. And again, it can be either through pageants or other events. And you never know when those contacts can come in handy. Yeah. And you know, the old saying of it's like, it's not what you know, it's who you know, that gets you Mm -hmm. ahead. And I have, I have a twist on that. But I feel like that is so important. Um, And I feel like it's not necessarily who you know, it's who knows you and who likes you enough to actually help you. So um, like they, the ability to meet new people like through pageantry is instrumental uh, for you gaining and meeting new people and creating new opportunities. Mm-hmm, for sure. And like, I, so I'm going to digress before I go into like the tip I have about it. But I remember competing in a pretty, like it was a statewide pageant system. It was Sunburst Beauty Pageants. And a lot of those girls compete in the Glitz system Um, or the glitz circuit on a regular basis. So they go to these pageants and they know all the same people. Like they hang out in like a little group. And I would say like, if you find yourself like you're competing, maybe at USA National Miss and then NAM and then IJM and you're kind of cycling through, you probably will compete with similar people. And I would just encourage you to step outside of that circle on occasion and introduce yourself to somebody new at every single pageant. That's great. And okay, so I know that you pulled our Instagram audience. What's your your favorite tip around this? So this wasn't from our Instagram audience. This would be from me. Um, But for this tip, I just like, I kind of alluded to it. But when you're at a pageant, make a point to introduce yourself to someone from a neighboring town or area that you don't already know. So important. It can open you up to different personalities and cultures that you may not be aware of. And the benefit of that is you may not only get a new friend or connection, but it will help you in invaluable skills to develop friendships and initiate conversations because that can be a really scary thing to put yourself out there to know someone, to get to know someone new. And just being able to have the confidence to go up to someone and say, hi, I'm Jesse. It's so nice to meet you. What's your name? Um, so that skill alone will take you very far. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So so that's your favorite tip. Um, is there any like comments on Instagram that you want to highlight? Yeah, so this was from Amanda Van Sickle, and this was like a really great example of how putting yourself out there at pageants and appearances makes a big difference. And she said, in 2015, while undergoing treatment for occipital neural, okay, whatever, she was going under treatment for migraines, whatever. You know it's bad. No, you, you know it's you know it's tough when you're not able to say it. Uh, yes, that's a, exactly. Yeah, something so serious. So she was occipital something in migraines. And she made a guest appearance at a pageant. And she was chatting with the director. So she introduced herself and was chatting with the director. I learned of an opportunity to volunteer for Cook Children's Medical Center as a seamstress. So she was using her skills. She joined the program and set to work making pillowcases for the hospital. And suddenly friends were asking 
to get their daughters involved, which led to host So Comfort, S-E-W, workshops in her local area. And last month, she decided she wanted to reach a larger audience. Therefore, she launched a Facebook blog, So Comfort with Amanda. So that all started with her going to a pageant and introducing herself and having a conversation. So just illustrates that that one intro conversation can open so many opportunities. What a great name too. So comfort workshops. Well, check it out and support her because that seems like a really cool cause. Yes, I love it. All right. So that's the first one, meeting new people. What's the second strategy? So the the second is you have an excuse to get into high profile events with your title. Like I know that sounds silly or maybe a little scandalous, but this is an opportunity that you can't pass up. So you should make every opportunity available to yourself. Okay. So how does this help? Give us a real life example. So if you called, so you know, there's a black tie gala happening soon and it's going to be very high profile. Um, and you called and said, hi, I'm Susie Smith. I'd like to attend your ball. They would likely say, no, thank you. Or here's how much a ticket costs or just hang up. However, if you instead call and say, hi, I'm Susie Smith, Miss Buffalo. I'd love to help out at your event. Who could I speak to? They'll probably at least entertain a conversation and you may get in the door for free. Yeah. And gosh, this is such an easy strategy to do. All you have to do Mm -hmm. is call up, give your title and be prepared to explain like the value that you can bring to the event by being there. Simple. Yes. Yeah. Because oftentimes the, the hardest part is getting past the gatekeeper or getting able to talk to the person in charge. And I know a lot, like when Renata was Miss Massachusetts, United States, she got into a bunch of events for free. And, you know, it's just kind of the way the world works. People want high profile people at their events. Yeah. And when you call, act like you're there to be a servant for them. We say this all the time. You can say, well, I could do social media coverage for you so you don't have to worry about it. I could greet people. I could direct them to registration. Um, So there's all sorts of different things that you can do. So you're essentially a volunteer, but you're elevating yourself to be visible to a larger audience. That's so good. Okay. So do you have a, a, um, I know you said like how this helps and all that, but do you have a tip of how they can actually implement this? I do. So you want to build your calendar, your appearance calendar, at least two months in advance. And this will allow you to be more ingrained in any of the events you hope to attend. Because if you call the night before, it's going to be more challenging to find you a role and a ticket, and they will have no emotional investment in you at all. So by being proactive and planning ahead, like two months out, they're not going to be in crazy execution, last minute mode. They'll have the ability to hear you out and find a spot for you. And then they can build all of their other plans around it versus trying to fit you in at the last second. And yeah, and no guarantees with this, but let's say that you are attending a, um, like a gala or like a fundraising event or whatever, you never know, you might start to get included in their marketing material too, depending on your title and how it connects with um, whatever they're doing. Like if it's a, you know, a, Boston Marathon fundraiser and you're Miss Boston, then, oh, that's a perfect tie-in. Like, come meet Miss Boston at the Boston Marathon, you know? So it's things like that that by with proper planning and go ahead and doing this now, not only are you going to get the benefit of what Jesse said, you could also get some, like, residual benefits off of it too. Yeah, and you're thinking of them too because if you call the last minute, you're thinking of yourself. And I would just say, like, be a good partner in any event that you go to. You are there for them. And 
in turn, that will afford you introductions and visibility that you may not get otherwise. Right. Now, I mean, that being said, if you just listen to this and you're like, oh my gosh, this is a great idea. Let me start doing research for certain events in my area and you find one that's next weekend, feel free to go ahead and call them, but then just totally be transparent about like, hey, I'm so sorry, just found out about your event now. I'd like to be of service. You need me to, and then give some of the options that Jesse just um, articulated. And then moving forward, you can be more proactive. Yeah, I like you said, Stephen, be transparent and say, and like, I I know that's last minute, and I'm I'm sure it will be difficult to find me a spot, but I would love, I would absolutely love to help. So be empathetic. So not just like, hey, I know it's last minute, I just found out, but put yourself in their shoes and let them know that you understand where they're at right now. And give them an out, too. I always say that. And we'll get to talking about what an out is a little bit later. But don't ever make them feel guilty for saying no. Yeah. And so I, I've i leveraged this right here to get on. Um, th- there was a show that's it's not as popular now, but it was really popular probably about five or six years ago. It's called Pawn Stars out in Vegas. I love Pawn Stars. Yeah. So I was out there for Miss America. And um, it, there was like a day where, you know, it's whatever the free day is at Miss America. I think it's on a Saturday or something. But I was like, you know what? I'd like to get on Pawn Stars because I was hanging out with some title holders. And I was like, well, what do you want to do? And they're like, well, I want to do something that's like really unique to Vegas. Uh, But the challenge was there were like 19 and 20. Right. So I'm like, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that crosses them. I mean, a lot of things that you're not able to do when you're that young. So I, we were just doing some brainstorms, and they said, I love, like, Pawn Stars. I was like, let me see if I can get you on. So I picked up the phone, called, and said, hey, we're here for the Miss America pageant. We have XYZ title holders. Like, I would love the opportunity to bring my title holders by in, in an effort just to see the place. And we got VIP tickets. So we got to bypass the line. We got to see the whole warehouse, meet the um, staff. And then, surprise, we got to actually be on the show. And it was just leveraging this particular strategy right here. I mean, we didn't have a speaking part on the show, but we were the fillers where we were kind of like looking at merchandise while the people were doing negotiations in the back. So it it was really pretty cool. We got photos with them, et cetera. That's awesome. I love that story. Yeah. So it's in this and these titles, they weren't like, I mean, for full disclosure, it was um, they were Princess of America. Right. So it wasn't um, it wasn't like a you know, Miss USA, California, USA, you know, a Miss America title or something like that. It was just, here's the title. So, you know, if you have that crown and you just pick up the phone and you're daring enough, you never know where it can land you. That is very true. And that leads us to our next point. And that's use your title to open doors. And I say this because when you're looking to transition out of the pageant world, you will want a massive contingency of people who you have met and have made a great impression with. Like Steven said, like it's how many people will do something for you, not just how many people you know. Um, So while every contact you make matters, there's no small contacts. Certainly the more higher up in their respective roles they are, the stronger there's a chance that they can open a door for you. So once you use those connections and then you're looking to get another opportunity beyond pageantry or I guess even within that's when you want to knock on the doors for the big favors. Yeah. Okay. So what's your tip to actually implement this? The tip that I have for this is use LinkedIn. So if you're not already on LinkedIn, you need to get on LinkedIn stat. And when I became Miss New York international, I'd been living in Buffalo for less than a year. So I had 
no family here. I had no business contacts except for the six people in the office I worked with. Um, and I had to make opportunities and make introductions from scratch. So what I did is like, okay, how can I meet important people at companies that can open doors for me as Miss New York International? And I said, I'm going to use my sales experience because I was using LinkedIn on a daily basis professionally. And I said, well, why can't I just spin this and use it as Miss New York? So that's what I did. So I would use LinkedIn and I would get business meetings and leads with the people I wanted to work with. So like a hard example of this is I'd message the director of a nonprofit I wanted to partner with and through LinkedIn. So it's all pretty secure. And I would tell them I was looking to highlight area nonprofits as Miss New York International. And I would love to meet them and hear what message they want to get across right now. And nine times out of 10, that was met with a meeting. And that said, like we just talked about giving them an out. This is another way you want to give them an out. And say something like, if you're not the right person, feel free to point me in the right direction. And often, like, they might have been, like, on the cusp of saying no, but they're like, okay, you know, I am not the right person, but this person might get benefit. So you might be able to combat some additional no's there. Yeah, and a lot of times people just do not like saying no. And, like, so they'll just ignore your message. So if they're like, I'm not the right person for that, they'll just ignore your message. If you throw in that, though, they're like, oh, you know what? Let me just forward this on to Eric. He, he'll, he's the person to talk to. Yeah. So because people are so busy now, I mean, there's all these distractions surrounding us. You got to get in and just ask for what you want right now. And mm-hmm. if you don't throw in that little caveat, like you said, hey, if you're not the right person, you know, you know, could you pass this along to who is or could you tell me who to contact? Then that can make all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. And I'll say the other thing that what I like, what really works about this is, you know what you want. And there's people out there that will totally or are totally willing to promote you. They want to promote you. They just don't know how to, they don't know what your end goal is. And you, Jesse did a really great job at just encapsulating. This is my goal. This is what I want. Can you help me? If you're not the person, please let me know who to contact. Mm-hmm. And with LinkedIn, because it is a business platform, you need to be so buttoned up with your message. So have someone else proofread it, make sure it follows the traditional means of professional communication. So you have a greeting, you have a salute, like a salutation, um, a dear so-and-so, and then you have the inclusion, yours truly, Jesse will do or whatever you want to say. So I would just say, this is the platform where you need to elevate yourself to a business level. So keep that in mind. The other good thing I like about LinkedIn is you can see when someone's read it. So you can do two things here. One, um, you can leave off the out in that first message. And then when you see they've seen it and a day or two goes by and they haven't responded, you can say, I'm just following up on this. And I want to say, if you're not the right person to contact, I would be so grateful if you pointed me in that direction of the right person. And then that gives a purpose of a follow-up or you just see it and you can say, okay, this is not the avenue that's going to work for me. Let me find another opportunity. So it's just something to to consider. Like you don't need to be sitting um, at home wondering if they saw your message or not. They, they tell you if they've seen that. So, which is very helpful. So great. Okay. So what's the next strategy that you have for helping girls just become famous? So pageants will help you get street cred. Um, and I love this message from Megan, um, Megan M. Megan, oh shoot, I, I stink at this, reading people's Instagram Tear, names. Megan, Megan, Ms. Tear? Yeah, Megan, Ms. Tear. So I'll spell it so you guys can follow her. It's Megan, M-E-G-A-N, 
M-S-T-I-E-R. It's probably Megan M. Steer. Like, that's her name. Like, Megan M. is the middle initial, and then Steer is her oh, last. Oh, my. I can see Gosh. that now. But it's challenging when you're reading it. And I'll, I include everybody that we, that we feature. I also include that in the show notes so people can just uh, click right through um, to their Instagram and follow. So, them. yeah, if I butcher your Instagram name on here, not to worry. Steven has your back. Got your back like a sweater. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so she says, Megan M. Steer says, travel the country. So, so the question again was, what's the best opportunity pageants have ever given you? And she said, to travel the country and make a living at a mo- as a motivational speaker. I love this. So when we say street cred, here's how street cred helps. And street cred is short for street credibility. So people like know you're the real deal. And if imagine this, if you walked into an audition for the lead in a play or a movie, and you had no actual stage or film experience, if this is like a, a, a profile, like a high profile production, the odds are not in your favor if you don't have any experience. It doesn't matter how naturally talented you are. They will likely overlook that for like your greenness. And in, in stage terms, greenness is just you're, you're super new to the industry. So if you're looking to become an accomplished speaker or artist through pageantry, it's important that you have actual performances that you can reference as you climb the chain toward that pinnacle of opportunity. So you're not going to book Carnegie Hall at your first show, most likely. <laughs> most likely. And I mean, so important. Okay, so give us a tip of like how we can develop street cred. So I would say make sure you compile a list of every performance or speaking engagement you have and also note how many people were in the audience. And then when you're seeking new gigs or selling yourself to a new audience, use these concrete examples towards why you should be booked. So don't just walk in and say, oh, yeah, I've done like 20 speaking engagements. Okay, well, that's great. But if you say I've spoken in front of X, Y, Z and you give concrete examples for a total of 1,700 people, they're like, okay, wow, 1,700 people. That's a great audience. She must have confidence. She must have a great message. And then they'll think twice about it. So again, at just as in pageant interview, if you're interviewing for another job or another gig, you want to use real deal specifics. Yeah. And you can also throw in that you were the spokesmodel for, let's say like Miss Georgia. You know, you don't have to say that you're Miss Georgia, but it's like, I was spokesmodel for the Miss Georgia organization. It's just and like- you can get, you can get even vaguer than that, Steve. And I would say I was a statewide ambassador for Children's Miracle Network. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. And things like that. So you, it's just all about how you angle it. And I mean, to Megan's point about traveling, making a living as a motivational speaker. So my goal was to be a motivational speaker before I started pageantry. But like, um, anyways, I won't go into the backdrop. But so what I started to do is surround myself with mentors uh, who was motivational speaking. And starting off at the very lowest, it's like $2,500 for an engagement. And I mean, I know of a girl now in her early 20s, and she's making $30,000 every speaking engagement. So just if you get into pageantry just to learn how to become a motivational speaker, and by the way, there's a massive market for a massive need in the marketplace for female motivational speakers because it's a very male-dominated industry. So Mm -hmm. as a female, like there's less competition and if you can zero in on that niche and you know just market it, then you can really carve out yourself a great lifestyle of traveling and getting paid to do so. So um, great opportunity and definitely implement the the strategies that Jesse said. But that said, Stephen, that person that's getting $30,000 of speaking engagement didn't get that out of the gate. Like she knew 
that she couldn't go in and say, okay, this is my speaking fee, it's $30,000. She had to have street cred to back her up. So she either had to have previous experience, concrete experience that said to that event organizer, okay, she has something valuable to say, and she's done this enough to know that I can trust that it's going to be the delivery that I'm looking for. So that's why street credit is so valuable so that you can build up to that ultimate goal of where you want to be. 100%, 100%. Okay, what's the next strategy that, that you have for them? The next strategy very much goes along with the previous and it's build your resume. And I say this because whether you're trying to get into college or get a new job or get a gig, your resume needs to highlight your achievements and accomplishments. However, whether it's where you live or the lifestyle you've chosen, you may not have much to pull from for those sections. But through pageants, you're gaining volunteer hours, you're gaining life experiences, just like we said, that can be used for this purpose if they're communicated in the proper way. Yeah, and you know when you're building your resume, it it's best to, in an ideal world, you want to begin with the end in mind. You want to know mm-hmm. what you ultimately want to do. Not that you're attached to it, like... But you want to know what you're working towards and you're saying every like experience or everything that you're um, pretty much building your resume around will point to that end goal of like, okay, I ultimately want to be, let's say, a motivational speaker. So this is helping me speak. This is helping me market. And this is helping me, I don't know, learn how to travel um, more efficiently, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's certainly how that helps. Um, do you got a tip to help them really build their resume? Yeah, I would say, and I love that you said everything should suit your goal. Like if you're trying to be a motivational speaker, but you won the Presidential Fitness Award in 2006, like doesn't need to be on your resume. It's not serving you as becoming a motivational speaker unless that was the turning point where you turned your life around and became this really awe-inspiring person. So keep that in mind. But my favorite tip is look at your resume and see where it's lacking. Um, Like you have a huge, gigantic section of leadership roles but you have no awards. Okay, so now we need to say, okay, let me leverage these leadership roles to finding awards that I can build that up. Or is it qualifications? Maybe you have a ton of um, awards, but you actually like, you know what? I'm not really qualified for this job or this role that I'm seeking. So whatever that blind spot is, identify your plan um, within pageantry and like with the greatest improvement. So if you have a weekend free and you have no qualifications, your best bet is then, okay, what am I trying to do? I'm going to take a course this weekend to build that area so I can have a qualification. Or I haven't, I don't have an award, so let me take a weekend and apply for all of these different awards. So where is the weakest area of your resume that you're trying to build and how you can kind of elevate that in the quickest amount of time? Yeah, I mean, this is perfect because now is the time to do it because you have the crown, you have the sash, you have the title. So mm-hmm. if your goal is to be a musician, right, and you want to you want to be a singer, so it's like, okay, what kind of skill set do I need to to harness? Like, okay, maybe you don't know anything about sound checks, and so maybe it's okay. How can I leverage my crown so I can volunteer backstage to learn how the sound system all works together and is connected and how it like works in the grand scheme of like the event or you know so it's it's doing things like that to thinking what do i ultimately need to have a knowledge base around and then leveraging the title you have to create that opportunity so when you are in that interview 
and someone says something like, so I met with a banker the other day um, about a new credit card processing for our site. Well, she was saying verbiage and I was like, oh yeah, well, I know that. And then I was giving my two cents about how they can integrate it into the site. And she's like, wow, it's really like, I don't really ever meet people that actually know about credit card processing or how it's integrated in the site or whatever. So she was impressed. Not that she was going to hire me, but she was like, wow, that's actually impressive that you know that. If I was applying for a job in that particular department of what she was doing, as far as credit card processing or whatever, and I could talk intelligently about it already, it would really set me head and shoulders above whoever else was applying for that particular job. I love the example, Stephen, you gave about the sound check because that's something that, okay, maybe it's not a course, but like the way you put it was like, okay, you're at this event, they have a sound check guy, you can walk over if you're already there and say, hey, I'm, I'm looking to become a singer. I know nothing about this. Would you mind when all is said and done, if I sat with you for five minutes and you gave me a crash course? Like, they're probably not going to say no if you're wearing your crown and sash right there. So that was, I just loved that example. It was so unique and it was so valuable. So whether it's sound check or some, some other hard skill, when you're there in the moment, why wouldn't you want to ask that question? That's great. Okay. Love it. So that's building your resume. What's um okay. what's next? The next is to hone your craft. And that helps because if you're a singer or a dancer or a speaker, we've talked about all of those already. Um and we just talked about if you book a gigantic gig at Carnegie Hall. So we talked about like you're building your street cred and you finally got to Carnegie Hall. It's super exciting. You wouldn't and it's like say let's six months away. So you book this today. And it's November 3rd today. Mm-hmm. So now it's May. Your, your concert is on May 3rd in Carnegie Hall. You wouldn't just practice only until then. You'd want to test out your performance in front of other audiences to get feedback and also alleviate some of the nerves that you have. If you're only performing on the big stages, like imagine the stress level as you won't have like your own experience or proof of execution to back you up. So you don't want to just be a cold performer where it's you practice, practice, practice. And the first time you get on stage is for your pageant or for your big gig speaking engagement, et cetera. Yeah. And this is what the stars do. Like Taylor Swift doesn't just show up at a concert and it's like, Oh, okay. And then that's the first time that she's done it. When, when Taylor Swift is starting a tour, someplace her entire crew goes there a week early and they do that show over and over and over and over again for seven days like full staffed like i mean just like everybody is working around the clock to get this right they Mm -hmm. do it and then they perform it the first time well then after that they're performing it basically nightly for the next you know however many months um you know so this is what the people who are best of the best do. And when I used to market for motivational speakers and um, I would follow this one particular guy to his events because, again, I, I'm like, okay, I want to do this. And he would practice his speech even though he's done it a, bun- a bunch of again- – gosh, he's done it for years. He would practice it by inserting – the particular audience that he was there and then he would go up on stage and do it all over again. So, um, the, the best in the business, they're constantly like honing their craft. 
Mm-hmm. So, like, what what's your tip around this? Um, so I would, why I said. yeah, I would just consider that like no stage is too small. So I want you to contact any local entity. It could be a school, a library, and ask them if they're looking for featured performers to entertain any of their groups. And another option is retirement communities. They're always looking for ways to engage with their residents. So it's just like the more you do it, the more confident you'll be. And the more like we talk about building that resume, building that street credibility and this is how you do that by honing your craft and making sure that you're giving yourself the confidence to know that you can nail it no matter what the circumstances. I would also say that this will help too because you won't have the luxury of a full sound system or professional staff backing you up. So you will have to learn to adapt on or or make changes on the fly based on what resources are available to you, which will make you a better performer in the long run. Mm, That's great. Now, anything else you want to share about honing your craft before we move on? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this note from Instagram came from Missy Allie J, um, a good friend of ours. And she said, at the age of 16, I was asked during a pageant what my future aspirations were. And her answer was to be a pageant coach and consultant. 16 years later, she's living her dream. During her journey, she's made amazing connections with young talent and has gone to produce music videos that young talent that has gone on to produce music videos perform on national showcases and become paid models. Pageantry has shaped my life and become my dream job. So she used those skills of pageantry to hone her craft. And now over 16 years, she's really mastered the art of consulting. So whether it's on stage or behind the scenes, this honing your craft comes with uh, years of experience and trial and error to finding your niche. Great. Okay. What's the next strategy that you have for us? The next is one of my favorites that everyone listening probably knows, and it's branding. And both in pageants and in professional interviews, you'll likely be against several other qualified candidates. So let's pretend for a second that all of the candidates you're competing against for this role have the same quality resume and the same positive connection with the interview. So you've already built a great rapport with them. You have no prior knowledge of anything else, and you all have a great resume. How are you standing out in a memorable way amongst the rest? And we always talk about for pageants with branding, it's the little details that make you unique can go a long way from separating yourself from the pack. Mm -hmm. Okay. Break this down for this. Uh, How can they do that? So they can do that. Like, and I do this with our clients all the time and branding comes down to five words. So if you have a pen and paper handy, or if not, listen back and do it when you do three words that best describe your personality. So I want you, if you're listening to define those three words that describe your personality for me, spirit, authenticity, celebration, those are my words. And then after you've defined those three words, I want you to describe two words or pick two words that describe your personal style. So mine, again, for example, is classic and unexpected. So a twist on the classics. So every decision you make from your the font on your resume to the shoes you wear into interview should tie back to these five words and create a cohesive message. So if your words are sophisticated, um, driven, proactive, and your style words are classic and streamlined, you're not going to walk in with hot pink pointy toe shoes. It just doesn't make sense. So you need to make sure that from your resume, from the st- and you're not going to use a, a crazy script font on your resume. You're probably going to use a sans serif or something direct. Um, so it's all of those little things that add up from the shoes you pick, the outfit you pick, the font on your war- on your resume, et cetera. It all needs to make sense so they can feel like they trust you and it creates a memory. 
Yeah, and this is also one of the challenging. So I, I've got friends that are still attempting to find their way in life, like what they want to do. And, you know, they will one week say, I want to do X. And the next week they say, I want to do Y. And then it's like, well, okay. And then they're back to X and they're back to Y. And it's just, it's kind of a hodgepodge. So because of that, they haven't branded themselves exactly like using, um, like just a clear direction in life. And because of that, there's no way to really help them like get ahead Mm. because they're just wishy-washy. So from everything that's like what you want to ultimately achieve to being consistent in that to like what you're saying, Jesse, like how you describe yourself, how you dress in relation to that particular goal and like knowing even how it ties into that particular goal. Like naturally, if you're going to be, um, if your goal is to be a banker, a high-level banker, you don't want to come in with anything <laughs> hot pink or whatever. The two just don't really coincide, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it's just having that branding that uh, is in alignment with ultimately where you want to go, and it's using those like five words that you said and just matching everything about your being towards what you ultimately want to become. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly it. And I always like in pageantry, I say the most memorable girl usually wins. And by being memorable, you have very little time with an interviewer or a pageant judge that your message has to be so consistent that they're like, oh yeah, that's the girl. I, re- I remember her. She said something similar in her in interview. It's all making sense. So you have to be the same thing where you have to create a memory because if there's 10 candidates on the same page, but they've not done anything to differentiate themselves or they don't have a cohesive message that helps them stand out, they're likely not going to be picked. So it's not necessarily the qualifications. It's you making an impression. Great. Okay. Well, what's the last strategy that girls can use and guys can use while competing to become famous? Yeah, this is a no brainer. Um, and this is probably the most obvious in pageantry and, um, it's your interviewing skills. And so Halloween was last week here in the U S for our U S listeners, you would not imagine the awkwardness and social ineptitude in our youth today. Like I'm always like, Hey, what do you say? And they're like, Oh, thank you. I'm like, no, no, no. Before that. And they're like, um, um, like trick or treat guys, like get get it together. (laughs) Like you want candy or not? Um, I'm told my house is going to get egged one of these years. I'm like the worst at trick or treating, but regardless, um, general, general speaking skills today are so few and far between as we move towards like a more digital society. So if you can learn to articulate your points clearly and concisely and with confidence, you'll be both professional and personal life more successful. Great. Do you have a strategy to actually help people be better communicators? Yeah. So this is a really common concern for our clients. They're concerned about what questions they're going to be asked instead of like, okay, well, like I've never heard this question before. What if I don't have an answer? And that's totally the wrong attitude. My goal with clients is to help them know that no matter what question is asked, they can trust their own opinions and use personal experience to get to the question. So if you're listening and your goal is to just hear as many questions as possible so you're not surprised, you need to totally change your thinking. And instead, like there's a three-step approach that I, I work through all the time. And the three steps of every successful answer, and I know I've said this before on the pod, but I will repeat it once again, it's you have to answer the question, explain the answer, and then give an X factor. And again, for clarification, an X factor is a story, a specific, or an example 
that ties your answer back to you. So if you know what you need to get across or what skills you want to present, what experiences you want to share, that can be tied right into that X factor. So you can give your answer and your explanation, but ultimately you will make it count when you're making a pitch for yourself because you always have something in your arsenal to say about a topic. So it's not the confidence of answering any question or answering a question that you've already heard. It's knowing you can answer any question. Yeah. And interviewing just is not just like for a job because when you have a business, clients interview you, whether you know it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're looking to date someone, that potential partner is <laughs> he, he or she is interviewing you, you know, to see like, okay, is this someone I want to do a repeat date with? And so you could do everything else that what we've talked about on this uh, podcast from branding to honing your craft to building your resume, et cetera. If you're not able to carry on a conversation and be genuinely interested and interesting, you'll lose your opportunity. And that's what we want to set you up for. We want, we know that pageantry comes with it with an expiration date. You can only compete so long before you age out or you win out. And so what we want to do is while you're in this industry, we want to equip you with skills that you can leverage so that you can go on and live your dream life. Oh, for sure. And I can, I can see ways in my everyday life that I'm still using this three-step approach. So like I'll think of two quick examples to share. The first is like if I'm at home and I ask Kevin to take the garbage out and he doesn't do it, I get really ticked off. But if I call him and say, hey, Kevin, I would lo- really appreciate it if you took the garbage out. I have two hours of the mock interview tonight and I'm just not going to be able to. He's nine times out of 10 more likely to take the garbage out if I've provided reasoning by why it helps me. So asking for what you want and explaining why it's necessary. Or if you're auditioning or you're competing for a new job, a professional job, and you say, I'm looking for this job because I have XYZ qualifications and here's what I can bring to the table. You're more likely than say, well, I really want to use my, I have really great people skills and I know my experience can be a great asset to your company. Well, that's all fluffy. So it's these three things, answer, explain, X factor can pretty much get you anything you want in life. That's great. So we've talked about a lot here. Um, If you could wrap it up in like a sentence or two, how would you do that? And how do you feel like is the best way to end this? Well, I would just say keep an open mind with your pageant preparation, your pageant competition and be creative. If you find yourself near a person of interest where, you know, they have the future that you're hoping to get, introduce yourself. Don't be fearful. Use your crown and sashes like your superhero cape as a means to make those introductions, open doors. And again, like you said, begin with the end in mind. Where do you want to go and how this title can serve you? Because you're doing a heck of a lot of serving yourself for your system, for your causes that position yourself in a way that it can serve you when the day is done. And I did want to end with one more sweet little feel good moment. And like I've said a couple of times already, we asked on Instagram, what's pageantry given you? And I wanted to share one more sentiment if I could. And this came from, um, I know how to say this name, um, and this came from Stephen Roddy on Instagram, and he <laughs> said, the ability to create a company that has impacted the greatest industry on the planet. So I just wanted to end on that little sweet note. Uh, well, I'm so grateful for, I mean, this industry and, I mean, the followers that we have, the fans that we have, because I really do believe that I can change the world by helping out this industry because there's no other industry on the planet that does so much good 
in the world around them. And I'm just like super grateful that I get to be surrounded by people like you and our listeners. And I'm just, yeah, I'm just filled with gratitude. So yeah, well, yeah, well, thank you everyone for listening. And you know, if you've received any benefit from this show or from our website, or if you just like us, um, please consider giving us a five star review. It may seem like a small action, but it really does help us keep the show going. So thank you so much. Want to become a part of pageant history? Create a free contestant or business profile on pageantplanet.com to unlock hidden features and connect with other experts throughout the world.